Welcome to the Audience Converter Podcast, the podcast for converting your audience from strangers to loyal fans. We dive deep and discuss how entrepreneurs, consultants, and coaches can level up their business to help more people in the world. Now here's your host, the creator of the Audience Conversion Method, Kimberly Whitecamp. In this episode of the Audience Converter Podcast, I'm super excited to introduce Denise Gosnell. She is a serial entrepreneur, business strategist, productivity hacker, attorney, author, and real estate investor. She owns three companies, a coaching training company, a law firm, and a real estate company, which she's able to run three days a week. She served on panels with such big names as Ariana Huffington and Joe Polish, along with being a highly successful seven-figure entrepreneur in her own right. Denise helps other busy entrepreneurs learn how to use some unconventional scheduling and growth strategies to grow their business even faster by working up to 40% less. This mindset is talked about in her new book dropping in early 2020 called The Vacation Effect. And I'm super excited to talk to Denise today about all the different ways that we can be more productive by working less. Denise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to talk to you. So, you know, with that really long introduction, you've got your, your finger in so many different pies, business strategist, productivity hacker, attorney. They're all so diverse. And you're able to run those businesses in three days a week, which I just find amazing. And can you tell me a little bit about how you're able to do that? What is your, your secret sauce? <laughs> well, it sounds so impressive when you hear it, but that's not how I started off. I am actually a recovering workaholic. I used to work 80 hours a week. I always wanted to be a millionaire since I was a kid. And so I worked in corporate America and then I hit a glass ceiling where I realized that I needed to go on my own in order to really reach a higher income potential. And so that led me just to, you know, the normal grind, 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 work harder, work harder, work harder. And yeah, and I, I, I'm sure you can relate. And so can your listeners, you know, because it's so prominent in our society today that that's the way to get ahead. And, you know, it worked for a while until it didn't, until it didn't was <laughs> when I had a life changing incident on June 20th, 2011, I had a house fire where I um, literally learned that I was living my life wrong and what, what not in alignment with my true priorities. So that really totally changed the trajectory of how I structured my life and my, my businesses after that. You know, I'm happy to tell more about what happened there if that's useful or we can dig into what, whatever parts of that are, are the most helpful. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like it's such a life changing event right there. And, you know, working 80, 90 hours a week, that's kind of, a, as you say, right, it's, it's the norm for what's expected nowadays. And there, there's such a, a fine line between what's work time and what's home time, especially with, you know, smartphones and being able to always access your company's intranet and all of those good things. So, you know, tell me a little bit more about that, you know, the life changing moment and kind of what you decided to do afterwards. Yeah. So the first part of it was there was a knock at my front door and we had been struck by lightning at 8 a.m. on June 20th, like literally at exactly the top of the hour, eight o'clock wow. sharp, you know, like imagine a boom and a shake. And then my daughter who was five at the time, her toys turned on and started talking like, like somebody had touched them. But oh, no, wow. Nobody had, it was just the energy in the room that turned them on. Welcome to Dora's Playhouse. I'm like, whoa, what the heck just happened? So we did not know we were on fire. So there's this knock at my front door. You know, go to the front door and there's this fireman. He's like, your house is on fire. I'm like, oh, wow, we didn't know that. We were still trying to figure out whether any damage was done or not. 
because our neighbor had called and we discovered that it was us that was on fire. Uh, thank goodness they called, right? Uh, but he then asked me this question, Kimberly, and this question is the most powerful question anyone has ever asked me in my life. And it turns out to be the gift that I was given by, by God from this incident. That question was, what do you want us to retrieve in the next five minutes before your house is ruined by fire and water? Wow. That is such a, a mind-changing question right there. Five minutes. What are you going to salvage? Yeah. What are you going to get if you can only go back in your house for five more minutes? What would you grab or what would you have the fireman grab? And so it hit me. Like I answered him like instinctively within the heat of the moment without even thinking about it. I was like, go get my wedding photos on the piano and around the house because you know, I don't have those digitally. That was 25 years ago. Go get my daughter's favorite, you know, stuffed animal. Cause that, I mean, that was like an addition to our family. We couldn't lose bunny, you know, <laughs> you yes. bunny. she'd be now she's a teenager, but back then she would have been in tears if we didn't have bunny. Right. My grandmother's blanket that she made me as a child. Those are the things that I had him retrieve. And so long story short, there I am at my neighbor's garage um, with my husband and I, and my two neighbors were standing there watching our house burn for eight hours as they're putting out the fire in the rain. And it was like a slow motion movie. And I'm, I, I basically said to myself, I'm going to figure out how to make this the best thing that ever happened to me. And I just kept thinking about how I had answered that question. I kept playing it back like, man, here I am watching my dream house burn. And the stuff I had him retrieve was, was nothing expensive. It was all sentimental things. So I realized that I wasn't living my life in alignment with my true priorities. But I was wrestling with it all day, standing there watching this burn, like wrestling with the fact that, yeah, but I like nice things too. I like to travel. I like, you know, I like to be able to do things for my family and friends, help people when in need. So I like money too. But it's not worth it if I'm doing work I hate to pay for a bunch of stuff I don't care about when it's burning. So does that make sense? Like that's this conundrum of, you know, I like money, but money doesn't define me and it's not what matters. So I'm, I was wrestling with that, like as I'm watching the house burn. <laughs> so. Yes, definitely. It's such a powerful story. And it's, it's one of those things where a lot of people, you know, we hear that kind of adage, right? Money can't buy happiness. And, uh, you know, those types of phrases, but then it's, it's hard for us sometimes to put those internally and to realize that we need to be working towards what we, what we love and to build the life that we want. And one of the ways you've done that, right? You, you were able to cut back the amount of time that you were working so that you had more time to focus on the things that you really loved and to, to live more in alignment. And one of the ways you did that was by a, kind of adopting this freedom mindset. Can, so can you tell us a little bit more about the freedom mindset and what that is and how it helped you cut down your work hours and live a more fulfilling time? Yeah, absolutely. I actually stumbled onto the freedom mindset and the solution of how I came up with it by accident. So after the fire that day, I vowed I was going to figure out how to have plenty of free time and still make good money for my family because I wanted to have both. So it took me several years after the fire to actually figure out how to not trade one versus the other. It's like I started doing work I loved and spending more time with family. But when I did, my income suffered and vice versa, which was what I always thought was the, ha was, was the case. So I um, went to this meditation retreat where I was trying to figure out the answer to how can I have both? How can I have the free time I've always wanted without sacrificing my income? How can I have the schedule I've always wanted? That was the question I went to the retreat with. And the answer that I got, it felt like it was being whispered in my ear. You know, I don't know where it was coming from, God, the, you know, my higher self or where, but I just heard this, all you have to do is decide, make today what you want tomorrow to be. I'm like, hmm, okay, what does that mean? Make today what you want tomorrow to be. So I'd always wanted what I call my Tuesday, Thursday schedule, where I could have two business days a week to just wake up and say, what do I want to do today that'll make me happy? You know, like not have anything I have to do in the companies or just like have a clear calendar that I can just do whatever makes me happy. 
And so I just decided after that little meditation whisper in my ear about do it, you know, have to do is make today what you want tomorrow to be. I decided just do a little 30 day experiment. I'm like, okay, Kimberly, I'm sure my world's not going to fall apart if I just take eight business days in the next 30 days. It's like taking a week vacation, right? I'm just going to adopt what I was hearing here and test it out and just claim the freedom that I've always wanted, the freedom to, you know, live and be happy and give myself permission to just try it. So I gave myself permission to do an experiment and I encourage other people to give themselves permission to just do experiments with things that they really want to do. Why not make it an experiment? It doesn't have to be long-term. So what I did, did a 30-day experiment. I blocked off those eight days, those Tuesdays and Thursdays on my calendar for the next month. And I just like figured it out. And it, what was amazing was it, it actually was life-changing. I, I realized I had stumbled onto something really, really important. What happened at first might surprise you. It was really painful. Because, <laughs> like, you know, there I was. I've been working 80 hours a week before. So can you imagine trying to cram everything into three business days when you were working six before? It's scary as hell. And it sounds so, like, frightening. And it sounds kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, but I'm going to feel guilty because I, I know I need to spend the time doing this, right? Mm -hmm, exactly. And I did feel guilty at first. And so, but it was interesting because what happened was the first couple of weeks, a bunch of inefficiencies rose to the top. I realized where I was wasting a ton of time with the way I was scheduling my meetings, with the way I wasn't focusing on the things that would produce the highest result and that were the highest priority. It's like a lot of us don't realize how much time we waste being non-productive, and that it really brought it to the forefront. I had to shift the way I schedule my meetings. I had to change them to different time blocks. I had to do a lot of things differently. I had to delegate more. I had to, you know, better systematize my policies and procedures. I had to really learn to focus on whatever was going to produce the biggest result and doing those first. So there were like four or five different things I had to really focus in on in order to make it work. But that 30-day painful experiment also brought me a lot of joy too, because it's like the, the three days were painful because all my inefficiencies rose to the top. But on those two freedom days, I got to wake up and say, hmm, what do I want to do today that'll make me happy? And for the first time in my life, I tasted true freedom. And that's where the freedom mindset was born when I realized that you can actually, if you put restraints around yourself, the freedom mindset is just basically, the way I like to quote it is that freedom is a mindset, not a destination. It's not something that you get to do someday when you have more time or you have more money. It's something that you can decide right here, right now and make it happen. And then you can just fit everything else around it. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it's, you know, one of the things you said is that so many of us are like, oh yeah, someday when I have more something, right? I have more money, I have more time, I have more freedom, then I'm going to live the life I want. I'm doing all this really hard work to live the life I want in the future. And I, I really love what you're talking about, how you just did this experiment for 30 days. You're like, you know what? I keep saying this is the life I want to live, but I don't have a plan for making it the life I want to live. So I'm going to make the plan now to make it the life I want to live in and give myself two days to be free. And it's such a, a juxtaposition for a lot of people, right? We think, oh, if, if we want to have like this completely freeing lifestyle, then we don't want restraints. But the way you're approaching it is that, you know, you need to have policies and systems and have a few restraints on your time so that you can set aside that time for freedom. So tell me a little bit more about how you can set up those restraints. What are some starting steps for our audience? 
Yeah. So the first thing that I recommend is to look at the idea of Parkinson's law. You know, you the Parkinson's law is the one that talks about how basically the amount of time that you allow yourself to complete a project is how long it's going to take to complete the project, right? I mean, have you ever given yourself like 30 days to finish something and you finished it like 20, day 29 or day 30? Absolutely. Because that's all the you know, time. Like, I, I, we, yeah, like we've all done that before. But if you had, if you had only given yourself two days to finish it, you'd magically figure out how to get it done in two days. And so that's the, actually where the company name, The Vacation Effect, came from, because I realized during that 30-day experiment that I had stumbled onto the fact that, you know, we've all been there before where, and tell me if, I'm, if you agree, you know, when you get ready to go on vacation and you get like a month's worth of work done in the two days before you leave and you're like, man, I wish I could be that productive all the time. Have you ever felt that way? Oh, absolutely. You and I met at the New Media Summit, which is an amazing conference for everyone. You should look into it. And uh, before leaving for that, for that conference, I had three projects going on, all of which were going to have due dates right after I returned. And I didn't want to be working during the conference because I like to be, you know, in person at a conference, no distractions kind of thing. And I managed to do like three works worth of work in like four days, I, definitely right before that. So that when I came back, I knew I wasn't going to be freaking out and worrying about how I was going to finish everything. Exactly. So let's dig into what actually happened there. And this is what I actually discovered when I did my 30 day experiment where I gave myself eight business days off during that month on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I was only working in the companies Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. What happened was I had to force myself to focus on producing results of what really mattered. I had to like basically say, okay, Denise, if I'm only going to be working Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from nine to six or eight to six, how the heck am I going to get everything done that's really important? It forced me to focus on what really mattered and ignore all the stuff that really was not important and wasn't going to move the needle along at all. It forced me to restructure my time into really efficient box and eliminate the fluff where I was just killing time or being inefficient with meetings scattered all throughout the day. Now I have meetings during very specific time blocks and, you know, during a three or four hour window on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. And those are the only times I'll do meetings. And I have to be diligent about not letting people, you know, get into those blocks that aren't available. I'm just like, I'm sorry, that's not available. How's Wednesday look for you? How's Friday look for you during these windows? You know, and if, if there's ever something where I just absolutely can't make it work and I've tried every other option, I might make an exception and have a meeting outside of that window, but it's got to be really compelling to deviate. Otherwise, you just have a scattered schedule. So that was one thing I had to do. Another thing we touched on very briefly before was the policies and procedures. I had to become really diligent about documenting my procedures for how different things needed to be handled. And I, and I have team members, I have three team members that work for me in, in the vacation effect. And, you know, like every time we would do something new, I'd be like, put that into a procedure. Or if I would be giving them instructions on something, I would record it. And I'd say, turn this into a procedure. Everything I just told you, put it into a draft and give it back to me. Like I had to become diligent about that. And that's a huge leverage point for people. Like having a policy and procedure is like cloning yourself or that team member. Like the knowledge that when people go home every night, their knowledge walks out the door that they work from home when they turn their computer off, right? That person contains the IP of the company. I contain the IP of the company. If I don't have it in a procedure somewhere, it's literally in the heads of living and breathing people who can walk. So the best way to clone yourself is to have policies and procedures that you could hand to any other team member so that you don't have to be the one doing it. Does that make sense? It does. And it's one of those things where it's like all of us figure out 
how we make things work best for us. But then sometimes, you know, especially entrepreneurs, we're a little wary of stepping back and handing things off. But when you are able to sit down and write out the document, right? Or, you know, as you said, you know, just record yourself talking about it to somebody so that you have a starting point at least. Then you realize exactly what you're doing. And maybe that's an opportunity as well for you to figure out, well, are those extra steps needed or do I need more extra steps? And then, as you said, you know, you, you can clone yourself kind of, uh, but it's, it's the things that can be handed off. It's the things that maybe uh, you're not the best at or maybe it takes too much time for you to do it and you know somebody else who could do it better as long as they knew the steps, right? Exactly. Yeah. And one of the greatest leverage points that I experienced in being able to maintain that three-day you know, in the trenches of the company long-term was literally getting better at delegating and, you know, I tend to, you know, have the type A personality that no one can do it as well as I can. Well, guess what? I had to get over that in order to do what I do running three companies and in, in the trenches three days a week. I had to get past that. I had to let my team step up. But one of the ways I was able to do that without sacrificing the quality of how I wanted the work done was to really be diligent about making those procedures better and better and better over time so that they could think like Denise where they needed to think like Denise and do it my way. But if it was something that didn't need to be my way, then I wanted their ideas put into it, you know, and get better and better from the collective. So I think the main thing that holds people up is that, you know, startups don't think they need procedures and big companies think it's too overwhelming to get started. So I just want to demystify that for both, both ends of the spectrum, whether your, your listener is a startup or a larger company already. Don't wait. You can iterate your way to making it better. Even if it's just a rough draft, that's like got five steps on it. It's better than nothing. Start there, make it better every time somebody touches it. And I think that right there is, is the huge action step takeaway right there, right? Is just get something down. Just get something started. Even if it's not your final version, even if it's not, you know, the perfect version as a lot of uh, mentors I've heard recently say, you know, done is better than perfect. So get something started. And, you know, it's a great place to start is to just start writing down the steps you take to complete your big tasks. And that's a really powerful way for a lot of people to start scaling and growing is being able to write down the tasks that you have that you need to get done, making sure you have a policy or procedure in place for that. And then, you know, that, that really hard step for a lot of us is then finding somebody you can hand it off to. And, you know, you know that they're going to do it the right way because you've created that procedure. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be something tedious. Like each person can find their own easy way of getting it done. Like for me, you know, some of them was just me literally like recording a video or having an in-person meeting with a team member where we talked about it. And I had them take notes and create the procedure from what they heard me say. It also let me know where they were misunderstanding me. That way I, as the business owner, wasn't didn't have the burden of having to type up all those notes. That's why I have people working for me on. But you know, like sometimes I'll find myself like writing down the steps of something when I realize, ooh, that's not in our procedures yet. I'll just do a quick jot down of five or six steps and I'll email it off to them and say, hey, add this to the procedures in such and such spots. So I just want people to know that there are a lot of different ways you can go about it. Find the way that gets you started. If, you, if it's recording a video or audio or in-person meeting or typing it up in, in a list, whatever gets you going, don't feel like it's got to be perfect. Absolutely. So we're almost out of time here. So if you had one piece of advice to give people on what they need to do to be able to scale and grow by working 40% less, what would it be? Put constraints on yourself to force yourself to be hyper-efficient, whether that be, you know, limiting the amount of time that you're willing to allow yourself to work on certain tasks. That's one way to do it, you know, but just putting restraints on yourself. You'll be amazed at how it can force you. I call it forced hyper-efficiency, how forced hyper-efficiency can force you to work smarter instead of harder. 
And in my case, I was able to keep growing my companies by working three instead of six days. And even if I would ever lose clients or revenue because of it, I will never go back to the other way because of the freedom that I get. You know, and thankfully that hasn't happened. I've continued growing and doing well. But even if it ever did, I love my freedom days so much. I don't ever see going back to my old ways. (laughs) I would not, I could not imagine that either. I mean, it sounds really powerful. So if people want to learn more about being able to create their own freedom days and learning more about how you help entrepreneurs, uh, you know, save time, uh, you know, work less in their business and still make more, uh, where can they go to find out more about you? They can go to my website at vacationeffect.com. That's effect with an E, E-F-F-E-C-T. So vacationeffect.com. And I've got free resources there, a free report they can download with some of these principles we've been talking about. And then that's also where they'll find my um, Vacation Effect podcast and book in the near future. Right. The Vacation Effect is going to be released in early 2020. And you can learn all about Denise's process for how she decided to work 40% less in her three businesses. And uh, if they want to get in touch with you personally or want to follow what you're doing, how can they do that? On vacationeffect.com, they can also find in the footer, they can find my social media links there as well. Awesome. So we've been talking with Denise Gosnell today about how you can work less and still make more in your business. Denise, thank you so much for joining us and talking with us about the Vacation Effect today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Audience Converter Podcast. For more information and important links about today's show or for access to our website, visit theaudienceconverter.com. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.